Amen. And it is exciting to see what's going on. It is great to see all of you this morning. And uh, I don't know about you, but there's the word that, that uh, the word that we use a lot around here is we talk about the vision. And then when that starts happening, I start using the word envision. Because I don't know, for, for the past 12 months or so, we bought that Kubota UTV, which I'm looking for excuses to drive it. So if you want to ride, call the office and we'll hook us up, all right? Uh, but every time I take a ride on the Kubota, I envision. I envision. I remember when they started cutting in the road, it was like, oh, that's where the entrance is. I was so excited about the entrance. That's where the entrance is going to be. That's exciting. And then they make the road, and they get up there, and they start leveling around, putting stakes around. Oh, 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 that's where the building's going to be. Wow. And then, and then they start doing different things. Oh, yeah, okay, there, see the plumbing? That's about, oh, wow, okay. You can start seeing where things are going to be. Then they poured that concrete in the middle of the night. And they did, if you didn't see that, they, 3 o'clock in the morning. And the guy said, that's because I can get concrete trucks with no traffic and no competition in the middle of the night. And he said, we need it fast, and we do it fast. And so... Uh, we went out there and celebrated that in the middle of the night, and then they, uh, they uh, began to put the steel up last week when we were up in Canada, and uh, every time I go down there, I, I, I envision, I envision, now you can really envision where, where people, I envision crowds, and, and I envision pastor's conferences, and I envision in the foyer, I walk around, I just envision, I just envision what's going to feel like, look like, and people filling it out, and and, and it's just really exciting. I get on that quota, I drive around, I envision where the school's going to be. I imagine the walk tracks, the baseball fields, the soccer fields. I drive around, I envision the conference center, and it's just exciting. I see hundreds of children, hundreds of pastors, and uh, we've, been, we've, been, uh, we've been planning this month to celebrate what God has done. And I've been working towards, Lord, what do you, wanna, what do you want me to preach? What do you want me to share during the um, month of October, and I've, I've discovered something a long time ago. I don't like preaching about buildings. There's a few Old Testament passages that talk about the temple, but it's hard to make a modern-day application when he's building a $1 billion temple. And, and it's sort of a different application. So I don't like preaching about buildings. And, and, and Lord, what do you want to know? And you know what the Lord, I felt the Lord say to me as, as I prepared for this month? This is what the Lord said to me. I felt like he said, talk about me. Not talk about Troy. The Lord said, talk about the Lord. The Lord said, talk about... Because you want to know what I think as I've, as I've been preparing for this and sort of seeking the mind of the Lord. This is sort of what, what, I, what I discovered. That it's easy for the people of God who are doing the work of God to get their eyes off of God and on to the work of God. Isn't that true? And if we're not careful, we'll, we'll, our, our gaze of awe and wonder will, will move from the God that we serve, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to what we're doing. And we'll stand around and we'll ooh and ah at the building and at the land and at the vistas. And those are all great and we should do that so on and so forth. But God doesn't want our affection and attention to turn from Him to His stuff. And so the Lord said, talk about me. So over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about the Lord. What a good idea when you're preaching from the Bible. Amen? 
So these aren't going to be sermons jerry-rigged to figure out a way to help you get on board with a vision. These are, my prayer is that we will all get a fresh vision of the Lord during these days that we spend in the month of October. My conviction that throughout the celebration of all that we are seeing in Multiply, and trust me, no one likes to celebrate buildings and money and people more than I do, but it's my, my prayer that Eastlake will be filled with a gripping new vision of the one for whom all of this is happening. I'm convinced that our success is not primarily in drawings or master plans, structures, but our success is in each of us standing in awe and wonder of the one for whom we are working and serving every day. So I hope and pray that the greatest infatuation at Eastlake will not be a building as infatuated as it is, and exciting as it is. Our greatest infatuation will not be a building, but it would be the Lord Jesus Christ for whom the building is built. Amen? John's got, uh, the book of the Revelation, rather, chapter 1, we read about John, the revelator, John the apostle, as a very old man. And in this book, at a critical time in his life, Actually, a quite a depressing time in his life. The Apostle John catches a fresh revelation of the Lord Jesus. If I have any prayer for my own heart and for our congregation, is that throughout the course of developing and doing all that we're going to do, even this year, but even in the 5 to 10 to 20 years that happened, through the course of all of that, we would maintain a fresh, consistent revelation of who Jesus really is. Revelation chapter 1, let's read it beginning in verse uh, number. Let's back up and I'll read. I don't think it's on the screen, but I'm going to read the first couple verses in the chapter. The screen will pick up at about verse number 4. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and keep what is written in it, for the time is near. And verse 4 says, John to the seven churches that are in Asia, that's the context of this prophetic book, is written to these seven churches in Asia, which also are written to us. Grace to you and peace from him who is, and this is a phrase he uses a couple times in our reading today, who is and who was and who is to come. Speaking of the Lord, he is, he, he is, he was, and he is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of kings on earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom priest to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who who have pierced him and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and last letter of the Greek alphabet. I am the Alpha and Omega. I'm the beginning and the end, says the Lord God, who is 
and who was and who is to come. And then he adds these two glorious words, the Almighty. Isn't that an interesting, beautiful picture of Jesus? John had this revelation of the one who, was, who is and who was and who is to come. As we think about the, the, uh, the days in which we live, I believe the greatest vision that we need at Eastlake is not related to some physical, tangible reality that we're developing down the road. I believe the greatest vision that we need is for men and women and our children and our young people and our college students and our grandparents and everybody in between to have a fresh revelation of Jesus Christ by faith. If we can keep our eyes on Jesus, if we can keep our eyes on Jesus, let me tell you something, the rest of the stuff will take care of itself. Amen? And trust me, I'm, I, hope, I'm, I hope you don't think, see this as a Debbie Downer this morning because I'm pumped about down there. I'm down there every day taking pictures, all right? Just look at my Instagram, all right? I, I'm all about that. What I am saying, though, is listen, church, listen. A, a, a new building won't bring a revival. A new building won't save one lost person. A new building won't cha- change anybody's life or church unless the power and the presence of a revealed Jesus Christ is at work in that place. I just want to ask you a question before we get going too far this morning. Have you, have you encountered the resurrected Jesus? Let's look at this morning. John talks about the one who was and who is and who is to come. Notice John's personal vision. In a way, this is the one who was. It's the one who was in John's vision, rather. John begins to describe in verse 9 through 17, he begins to describe who he saw. John begins to describe his own vision. Now, I don't know this morning, if I were to say to you, and I'll do this just for the exercise of it, if I were to say to you, I want you to imagine what Jesus looks like. I want you to imagine what Jesus looks like. What do you think Jesus looks like? You don't have to answer that. I just want you to imagine it. Probably, we're all affected by the imagery that we grew up with, aren't we? Did anybody see him standing at the door and knocking with his first knuckle? You ever seen that picture? Anybody see Jesus holding a little lamb? Anybody imagine it? Anybody seen that one that Olin Mills took of Jesus? It's sort of a left profile, and he's kind of looking up with a soft focus filter. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Uh, I heard about one church years and years ago that didn't, they, 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 a man was playing the guitar during a revival and he had a beard and the church came to him and said, you're not allowed to be on our platform. We don't believe in people having beards on our platform. The next night, true story, right before the service started, he walked up there and got the picture of Jesus off and said, folks, I'm sorry, me and Jesus, because we have beards, aren't allowed on this platform. And he walked down. <laughs> I, I made the mistake and early in my ministry, we were renovating our little church there uh, where I was pastoring in the inner city of Dayton, Ohio, and, and it, was, it needed a lot of help. And we had one of those pictures of Jesus that you click the little switch on the bottom and the light came on and the film was like this. You know, Jesus was kind of warbly because he'd been there for a while. And it was one of those Olin Mills left profile, look up in the sky, kind of in a daze look. And I made the mistake of uh, making the executive decision that you take that down. It would, it would be better if we put something more modern and clean up. And uh, wrong-o. <laughs> Don't mess with Jesus is what I discovered early in my ministry. And I, 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 an, an individual, a sweet individual, 
let me know that that wasn't going to happen, or I might be meeting him face to face. <laughs> That's twice, years later, much more close to home, uh, I had a situation with a, with a precious lady over a picture of Jesus. I don't know what your picture is of Jesus this morning, but I want you to get the picture that John has, the one that he saw. I'll bet it didn't come to your mind. It certainly doesn't come to mind right off. But John says, I, I was in the, on the Isle of Patmos where the place, we noticed the place where he had, on the Isle of Patmos, he was abandoned, banished there as a, as a Christian, persecuted Christian, as an old man. They said, this guy's crazy, put him on an island. He's on the Isle of Patmos on the Lord's day, in the Spirit of the Lord. Notice the person that he saw. I turned, I was in the Spirit of the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. Write that you see in the book and send it to the seven churches. And he names the churches. And I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man. Listen, here's a picture of Jesus I, I don't often have. Clothed with a long robe, with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool. Like snow, his eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. His voice was like the roar of many waters. Well, this will mess up your Sunday school lesson, won't it? In his right hand, he had held seven stars. From his mouth came a two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. This is John's vision of the Lord. And John saw this vision, the person that he saw. He saw Jesus. He saw Christ as the Almighty God. He saw Him as the one, as Daniel described, Daniel called Him the Ancient of Days and, and described Him in the same robe and beard. He described His purity and His holiness when it says His eyes were like fire. It is speaking of His righteousness and His vision as a judge. His feet are like brass, brass burnished in bronze, speaks of the strength of his position, standing in the midst of the churches. His majesty and power is seen in his voice, which is like the sound of many waters. From his mouth came two swords, which signifies his power to judge. His face like the sun shining in full strength. What a picture of the person, Jesus Christ. This is who he saw. We notice the power, not only the person that he saw, but the power that he felt. He said, when I saw him, I fell at his feet, though dead. But he laid his right hand on me. I want you to get that. John said, I was in the Isle of Patmos on the Lord's day in the spirit, and I heard a voice like a trumpet, and I turned around to see who it was. And there stood Jesus in a white robe with a golden sash and a white beard and eyes like fire and a sword coming out of his mouth and his voice like the sound of many waters. And he said, I fell down, which is the only appropriate response to being in the presence of God. And this is what is so beautiful. He said, I fell down, but he laid his right hand on me. Isn't that beautiful? The power. He felt the power and the majesty of God Almighty and he felt the power and the love of God. When he laid his hand on him. Notice the promise that he heard. Jesus said fear not. 
I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I'm alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and the grave. Don't fear. Can I just say this morning that I may, I'm certainly not expecting to have the same vision that John had, but I am certainly expecting to encounter the same powerful Jesus in my life as John did. And can I tell you that when I do that, it will change my life. Can I say this morning that what we need as East Lake is not big, beautiful, powerful buildings. We need big, beautiful, powerful Jesus. And notice the purpose for this revelation. He said, show, verse 1 said, to show his servants. Verse 19 says, write therefore the things that you have seen. Did you know every time, every time by faith when we come before the mighty presence of God, he will have a plan and a purpose for us. Ezekiel saw him in chapter 120, in verse 28 of Ezekiel And he fell on his face before the Lord. And the Lord said, you're going to speak. Moses saw the Lord God in the burning bush and took off his shoes and was commissioned to lead the people of Israel. Isaiah had a fresh vision of the Lord in chapter 6 of Isaiah's prophecy. And when he saw the Lord high and lifted up, Isaiah was commissioned into the ministry. The Lord appeared to Paul when he was in full-blown rebellion on the road to Damascus. And the Lord called Paul to become a mighty missionary and theologian. The Lord appeared to the disciples when they were afraid and doubting on the seashore in John 21. And he said to Peter, Peter, feed my sheep. Whenever the Lord appears to us and whenever we encounter the presence of God and encounter Christ by faith, He will do a couple things. Number one, He will cause us to reverently bow and fear and serve Him. And He will lay His hand on us and He will commission us with a purpose. And in this case, He commissioned John to write the prophecy. God's appearance to us and His work in our life is always for a purpose. A fresh revelation of Jesus is always the preface to a clear calling from Him for a specific and important work. The greatest thing we need is not the glimpse of a new set of blueprints. It is the glimpse of Jesus. Notice John's future vision of Jesus. He, we see it in verse 7. He said, John, he said uh, the Lord is the one who was. And we sort of see that in, in his own, his own uh, experience. And then he says, He is the one who is to come. In John's, uh, chapter, uh, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 7, he describes that. Verse 7, Behold, He is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see Him, even those who pierced Him, and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of Him. Even so, amen. John describes in this verse the summary of the entire book, which is the culmination of the world that Christ will bring in God's time. We do not know when this will be, and this is for free. I'll just say this for total free. You don't know when God's coming. And just because the moon changes shades last week doesn't mean you can figure the date out. And that's good preaching if I'm the one doing it. Amen. We know He is coming. He's seeing a future vision of Jesus. 
We do not know when this will be, but we are no less certain that these 32 words in verse 7 are the ultimate hope of every Christian and the most sober reality for the world. Christ has been being revealed since Genesis. Christ was revealed subtly in the Old Testament through the prophets and the law. Christ appeared in the Old Testament in a few places and revealed himself. Christ was manifest to the world as a baby in Bethlehem when he came in the flesh and those there heard him and saw him with their own eyes and ears. Christ is revealed to us this morning in Scripture. If you want to know who Jesus is, it's revealed in Scripture. Christ is made known through the work of the Holy Spirit. He said to his disciples in John 16, the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's not going to speak of himself. He's going to speak of me. He's going to glorify me. Christ has been revealed. Christ is revealed to the world through the church when the church acts like the church ought to act. Amen. This is God's plan. And all of those revelations are powerful and real, and yet John says there remains yet another revelation of Christ in this world that is yet to come. He who was and he who is to come. Did you know that Jesus is actually, literally coming back to this world? Isn't that good news after all we've been dealing with the last few days? Even so, Lord Jesus, come. Somebody's getting married next Saturday. They're going, no, time out. John describes this future revelation. It is a future revelation. He is coming. It is a cosmic revelation. He is coming in the clouds. The last time Jesus came to this earth, he slipped in the back door. The next time he comes, he's kicking down the front door. He came and no one noticed. He came humble and lowly. He became obedient even unto death and the death of the cross. But the next time he comes, he's coming in the clouds. It is a cosmic appearance and revelation. It is a universal revelation. He says, every eye will see him. Every eye will see him. I I wonder if the Lord will just allow me to see Somewhere from my perspective, wherever I am, maybe I'll be dead and gone by then. But if the Lord would just allow me to peek over the banisters of heaven and just see the wicked and, and the people of this earth, when Jesus appears in the clouds, every eye will see him. Did you know there's a future revelation of Jesus coming? He was. John saw him. He is to come. Every eye will see him. It is a judgmental revelation. Even those who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will wail. On account of him. The last time he came, he came in love. He came in mercy. He came in compassion. He came to die. He came to serve. He came to be a servant. The next time he comes, he's coming as the king of kings and lord of lords. He's coming to rule and to reign. He's coming to judge both the living and the dead. He's coming to set everything straight. The last time he came, he came as a baby who was subject to this world. The next time he comes, he's coming on a white horse and he's going to be in charge. And every rebellious soul will wail on account of him. It's a judgmental revelation. And it is a certain revelation. John says, even so, amen. It's a little phrase that means this is absolutely certain. 
So let me just talk real quickly in closing about the importance of a fresh, fresh vision of Jesus. So John said he was. We saw that in John's description. He is to come. We saw that in verse 7. And I think the big challenge for most of us is that it's easy to believe the one who was and who is to come. Right? Jesus was. He had parables. He healed the blind. He fed the hungry. He was a nice guy. And he is to come. Someday, I don't understand it. When it will be. Maybe it will be after I'm gone. But someday in the sweet by and by, Jesus probably will come back. I, I won't know anything. He, he was and he is to come. But, but John describes him also as the one who is. And the reality is that it's easy for us to look at the pictures of who he was and look at the pictures of who he might be. But what we really need is we need a fresh glimpse of who he is right now. Did you know Jesus was powerful when he came? And he's always been powerful. And he was powerful in the Old Testament. He was powerful in the Gospels. And he's been powerful in the church. And did you know Jesus is going to be powerful? I just described it when he comes again. But did you know this morning that Jesus is powerful right now? And I think the, I think the grand and, and, and important reality for us is that you and I would dis, experience him and know him in his power. People in churches today see Jesus in a lot of different ways. We see him as a passive Jesus. We see him as a political Jesus. Some see him as a progressive Jesus. Jesus. Some see him as a precious baby. Some see him as the pitiful one who is dying, broken, and bleeding. But did you know Jesus is powerful this morning? He is powerful and he wants to interact with your life and he wants to interact with you. I'm not saying this morning you're going to have a vision like John. I very, very, very highly doubt it. I am saying that you can have an encounter with the one whom John saw. You can have an encounter with the one whom John saw. It's described in verses 5 and 6. Listen listen to the, the present fresh vision of Jesus. This is what he said. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of kings on earth. Jesus is the faithful witness. He's the one who's totally dependable. In him is all truth. This is, this is who he is, not who he was or will be. This is who he is. He is the faithful witness. He is the firstborn of the dead. He, he is alive. He was dead, but he is alive right now. He's living and breathing and moving and working in this world right now. And he's the ruler of the kings of the earth. There's just so much fun with that phrase right there I could have. I'll just leave it alone. But he's, he is the ruler of the kings of the earth. He might be a minority in public opinion polls, but he is all in charge in reality. But listen to this. This is the picture I want you to get of Jesus. And this is, the, this is, this is the, where I want us to land our faith this morning. This is what it says. This is the glimpse I want you to get of Jesus. To him, he, he says he does three things today. He loves us. He loves us. To him who loves us. We talk about loving God. I mentioned this Wednesday night. Most of the time when we talk about loving God, we, we assume that that means the pastor's telling you, you need to love God more. And certainly we do. But that's impossible without comprehending and experiencing 
the love of God. I just want you to know, church, this morning in the chapel online and all of you here this morning, you know what I want you to know? I want you to know that Jesus, the one that John saw whose eyes were like fire, loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He cares about you. To him who loves us. Secondly, he freed us from our sin by his blood. Jesus loves you. Jesus paid the price so that by faith in him, you might be set free from the guilt and the shame and the punishment of sin. He loves you. He has freed you from sin by his blood. Is this good news or what? It gets better even. It says thirdly, he he made us. He made us. What did he make us? He made us priests. In the kingdom of God. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm not the Pope, but I am a priest. Listen, the faithful witness who rose from the dead, who is in charge of the, over all kings of the earth. Listen, listen, he loves you. And he has paid the price so that you can be free from the guilt of sin that's in your life. Somebody is sitting here right now with a lot of guilt and shame and regret and a burden. And they need, you, need to, you need to be set free. You need to be forgiven. He loves you. He free, and he made you a priest. In other words, by the blood of Christ, you are forgiven and you are cleansed. And now you have access directly to the God of this universe. When we're building that new building down there, we got a little room in my office. And it's not a confession booth. It's a bathroom. Praise God. But we don't have a confession booth in my office. I'm happy and so are you that you don't have to come to my office and speak to me and say, Pastor Troy, could you talk to the Lord and get my sins forgiven for this? Did you know you're a priest? Through the blood of Jesus, you have, Hebrews tells us, that we can, by the blood of Christ, come into the Holy of Holies. We have access. You don't have to wait till Sunday to get help for your problem that's beating you down on Tuesday. You go straight to the throne of God. He's loved us and freed us and made us a priest unto God. Hallelujah. That's that's where I want to live. That's where I want to live. Somebody walked in here this morning. You know about the baby. You know about the parables. You know about the big white horse. But you don't know about this one. He was, he is to come, but he is this morning alive and able to work in your life. And you know what? I just don't know of anything better for us to see than that. Amen. I needed that this week. I needed that this morning. This is the God we serve. Have you seen him? Have you put your trust and your faith in him? I believe there's probably two groups of people here this morning, if I could be oversimplified. There's, somebody, there's a group of people here online in the chapel. There's a group of you that really, truly have not put your faith in the resurrected Lord. You've never experienced his love. You've never experienced his freedom. You've never experienced his power that gives you access into the throne room. You've never done that. And this morning is a critical moment because this could be the day that you could have your Revelation 1 experience where you come face to face by faith with Jesus. 
If you're in that group this morning, I want you to know in a moment we're going to pray, and I want to invite you. I want you to invite. I want to invite you to say, Jesus, I love you, and I need you, and I confess my sins to you, and I ask you to cleanse me and free me and love me and change me. And I, we've had people in every service this morning pray that prayer. Probably ten or twelve in the last two services. Praise God. There's another group in this, this room this morning, though, and that's those of us who are here this morning, and we, we know the Lord, and we've seen Him. But like John, life has put, has put us on an island, maybe. John knew the Lord. But life had taken him, and he was banished on an island in the midst of a very dark place. And John, like John, some of us this morning, we need a fresh, new glimpse of the resurrected Lord just to assure us. Amen? that by faith he loves us and he's free and he's enabling us would you stand with me this morning as we pray so Lord Jesus I pray this morning for for each one of us who are here I think we're all in one of two categories Lord some of us need to put our faith in you and some of us need to just sense your a renewed special visitation of your presence in our life The battles, the difficulties of life have distanced us from our experience and relationship with you. And we're just saying, oh God, we need like John to see you again this morning. Lord, I don't know where we are, but I pray, oh God, this morning that you would speak to us right now. How many of you this morning say, Pastor Troy, it's me. I want to put my faith in the Lord this morning. I'm confessing While we're praying, I'm confessing, and I want to trust him right now as my Savior. Just put your hand up and put it down again quickly. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. God bless you. Those in the chapel as well. God bless you. God bless you. How many of you say, Pastor Troy, I'm I'm on on a little bit of a, just a discouraging island, and I need the Lord's presence in my life, and I'm looking to him this morning. Just put your hand up again. Put it down again quickly. God bless you. Let's just pray, Lord Jesus, we pray for these who have raised their hands. May those who've raised their hand, Lord, to receive you, may they just pray this simple prayer. Jesus, I'm a sinner. I confess it. I own it. I repent of it. And I ask you into my life right now to be my Lord and my Savior. Lord, I pray that you would witness to your work in their life by your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray for these who've raised their hands. Say, I'm I need a special, special help from the Lord this morning, as John did. And I pray, oh God, that you would just speak to them, Lord, in the sweet whispering tones of the Holy Spirit, Lord, that you are with them, that you've got this, that you love them, that you care about them, that you're going to carry them, you're going to walk with them through this. We love you, Lord. We praise you. We thank you that you are alive and revealing yourself this morning. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information about Eastlake Community Church, please visit us online at eastlake-church.com or find us on your favorite social media platform at EastlakeSML. Thanks for joining us.